welcome to the Sales Prospector Show, supported by Lease, a sales rep, ending 5,000 company, helping our clients grow sales by securing guaranteed appointments, qualified leads, and guaranteed contracts for their services and products across the U.S. I'm your host, Gil Pagan. You can find us on all social media channels and at leasesalesrep.com. Thank you for listening in. It's going to be a great one today. Oh, I can't tell you how excited I am uh, today to have Wendy Pfeiffer, the CIO, that's Chief Information Officer, for you people who don't know what that means. Uh, she's the uh, CIO of Nutanix, a publicly traded company worldwide with about 7,000 employees, and uh, they provide a hybrid kind of cloud services, business continuity services to enterprise clients, data storage, virtualization, networking, they're all over the IT space. And we're going to be talking about uh, how to sell, check that out, how to sell to CIOs of which she's one uh, and CTOs as well. We're going to go into a little bit about maybe the differences of those two. But Wendy, uh, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. We look forward to that conversation. I look forward to this conversation. I just, we sell into the space and I'm sure you're going to bring a lot of value to the table to the listeners uh, who are salespeople, uh, C-level execs, uh, vendors that are selling into the space, trying to get access to uh, CIOs and CTOs to sell their services and products. And before we get into the nitty gritty, uh, tell us a little bit about about you and um, how you uh, got to Nutanix. And I know you sit on a couple of boards and you're, I, I, I can imagine what your calendar looks like throughout the course of the week uh, and how you cram everything in uh, and, and being productive. But tell us about uh, what you're doing and, and that board stuff. I'd love to hear about that. Sure thing. Well, uh, job one is I'm a parent and uh, both my kids actually start school today, uh, full-time remote learning. So uh, that's uh, in the mix. And I'm, I'm so interested in how technology is being used to enable uh, their education. And then uh, I am the CIO at Nutanix. I've been there for almost four years. So I started uh, you know, just around the time that the company went public. And my job at Nutanix is to do all the things that normally that a CIO does, but also because we make a product that is consumed by IT folks like myself, I also have a quite a public facing role and do a lot of work with uh, my peers uh, across the industry. So I, I probably meet with, you know, somewhere between 800 and 1000 CIOs and CTOs, uh, either one on one or in small groups every year. And so I, I have a lot of interaction with those guys. And that, that's uh, actually my, my joy. I love my, my industry and my sport. And then I do uh, have the pleasure uh, in recent years of uh, also doing some board service. And so I sit on the board of Qualys, which is a, a publicly traded cybersecurity company. And I also sit on the board of Sada Systems, which has been Google's number one uh, channel partner for the last two years. And um, 
really learning a lot about how those businesses run as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm a little busy. I also do a lot of work with the military veterans and in the veterans community. That's a, a real um, area of passion for me. I, I think that we, there's so much um, uh, sort of untapped talent in that space and, and so much opportunity for those of us in the tech space to benefit from their expertise. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You clearly got a lot of stuff on your plate and um, the, the actual uh, service offering that uh, Nutanix provides. Can you uh, just break it down into a real simple explanation? Uh, we've had a few conversations before uh, we went here live and uh, I love the way you break it down and make it real simple. Listen, I'm a two year old. Okay. Explain it to me like a two year old, how what you're doing is uh, in working with businesses with the services and products that you guys provide. Yes, and I'm so glad we're on the same level. I'm a two-year-old too, so it's perfect. <laughs> um, maybe like a 12-year-old around uh, for some things. So um, Nutanix makes an operating system that runs on any hardware and in any public cloud, and it runs any workload. So literally, I am running the same version of operating system on HP or Lenovo or IBM Power or Dell hardware or in AWS or in GCP. And I am running things like uh, certified things like uh, SAP HANA and Oracle Financials and my own homegrown code and anyone, anything else uh, that I might want to run. And so it's the first sort of um, near ubiquitous uh, potential operating system. And what it allows us to do in IT is it allows us to have the optionality to run what, what we call a hybrid cloud or a hyper-converged cloud. And that just means uh, that we can, we can run um, a workload across clusters that are composed on-premise and in public cloud. And we can uh, move that workload around as, uh, as technology uh, needs change, as scaling needs change, or as uh, vendor relationships change. If one vendor has introduced uh, draconian pricing, then uh, we, can, we can move to another vendor that uh, is easier to negotiate with. And so that's something we've wanted to do in the IT space and the technology space for a really long time. Wow. So um, using an example of, let's say, uh, banking, we'll use banking. I think with the, with the, I mean, that may have been one of your verticals that you may be in through your partners, I guess, right? Because um, yeah. you have kind of a, uh, a distribution kind of channel partner kind of sales process. So they sell your products and services to the end user. Is that accurate? That's right. We sell yeah. only through the channel. Right. Um, and as you can imagine, we have lots of different kinds of relationships, right? We have OEM relationships with hardware manufacturers like HPE. Uh, we have, uh, you know, partnership relationships with folks like GCP and AWS. Um, we, we partner with telcos. We sell unique versions of product to uh, U.S. military. So there's a lot of channel in the mix and various different modes of channel, but we we don't sell anything direct. Everything is through some form of uh, you know, third-party relationship. Right. So using an example of banking for a consumer, uh, mm -hmm. let's say that you log on to your, your mobile app or you log online on, on your desktop or laptop to your banking 
system, whether that's Bank of America, Wells Fargo, whoever that is, you go in to check your accounts, right? And on the back end um, of that infrastructure, that platform, you could be providing um, through your service offering some kind of cloud continuity, some kind of service that the consumer, us, we have no clue what's going on behind, <laughs> behind that wall other than our information needs to be protected and cyber and all that, you know, um, make sure that we're, we're not, our information is not being stolen. But you could have you, your service. Can you give us an example of the, what you're providing, let's say, on the back end of that to the consumer? Yeah, absolutely. If, uh, if that consumer's uh, world is, is, a, is a cruise ship, we are down in the bowels of the ship and we are the engine that is running that ship but we are also the energy that that engine is creating is is being used for all of the ship systems for uh cooling and heating and uh light and sound and propulsion and and all of those things and so if you think about the the total power uh that's being generated in the engines of that ship that power is allocated out to all different functions that make that cruise ship uh, work. And you know, if you're if you're motoring at, at night, for example, maybe there's a little less power that's going to the air conditioning systems. But if you're sitting still in the middle of the ocean during the day and have onboard ship activities, you might have a lot of power going to those activities and those uh, environmentals. And so, uh, what happens with uh, operating systems like ours is they have this. They they provide this raw compute and storage and network capability, but then uh, that can be dynamically allocated to the workloads as those workloads need it. So yes, we might be in the back end of a banking's of a bank's core systems. We might be storing data. We might be running core operations. Mm. We also might be powering the workstations that those bank employees use to do their jobs, particularly in this time of remote work. And we might be powering the e-commerce systems, that online banking experience that you're getting through the mobile phone. And as those patterns of use change maybe throughout a day or a month or a, or a quarter, um, our, our technology can be used for all of those modes of operations. So I don't need to have separate specific systems for each of those. Uh, I, I can provision for the, the peak in banking that happens, I don't know, at the end of the month uh, when people, you know, cash their paychecks. And I can also provision for that uh, time when the bank is doing its own processing and closing the books and so on and use resources in whatever mode is necessary. So it's, it's an inc incredibly uh, efficient technology. It's called hyperconverged infrastructure or hyperconverged cloud. And that just means that um, we are converging all of the resources and making those um, addressable by software code or dynamically addressable. Wow, that's great. So you ramp up when you need the usage that you need and you pull back when you don't necessarily need the usage, almost like storing energy. You know, again, uh, we use it when you need it and you pull it back and, and, and hold on to it when you don't. Uh, yeah, very cost effective, very efficient, but also very scalable and resilient. Wow, that's great. Yeah, that that uh, that cruise ship example is cool. That's, that's uh, <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was good. Uh, so the um, the the vendors and the distributor, the distributor network that sells uh, your product and services through their own 
um, let's say sales teams and through their own business, I, let's say um, Acme IT is selling your services, um, they need to get in front of the right people to be able to provide you know, and present uh, their service offering and products, which is basically what yours, what they're kind of selling it um, as, I guess, maybe a white label. I don't know if you would use that term, um, but they uh, would white label it maybe under their own banner and sell it uh, and manage it and, I guess, install it, I guess, and do all the technical stuff. Um, I'm correct me if I'm wrong there, but uh, how um, are they uh, getting to and uh, get to the to the foundation of our discussion today? How are they getting to the CIO and the CTO to try to sell to them? Correct me if I'm wrong. If I said anything, they're out of place. Yeah. So. Um... You know, rather than talking to, so so we have definitely a spectrum of of sellers. We have Nutanix sellers, um, direct employees who are salespeople and partner with our channel, and of course, uh, channel salespeople across multiple different uh, types of channel. But maybe it's just worth talking about more generally, rather than you know, I don't want to throw any sure. of our sellers under the bus because they're all amazing people. Okay, yeah, it's uh, all right. You got it. <laughs> however, however, when we talk about um, selling. Uh, you know, to, to enterprise. So, so um, technology sales in general, right? They, they, they run uh, the gamut. And uh, of course, um, you know, there's consumer technology sales as well, but we're talking about enterprise technology sales. And in particular, if you're a quota carrying salesperson um, and you are selling uh, a technology product to companies, um, you want you know, presumably uh, in order to retire your quota and pay your mortgage, you want to be selling to mid to larger size companies, you know, commercial enterprises that have some budget. And of course, um, you care about, you know, whether it's total account value or, or annual, you know, account value, you care about that, right? So, so you're typically... Um, you know, maybe you need to enter the sales process through a, a POC or a one-off, something small, a remote office or, a, you know, something smaller. But, but the real goal is to get to that core technology, uh, whether that's, you know, SaaS applications or on-premise uh, infrastructure or cloud infrastructure. You want to be selling into the core technical functions because that's where the money is, basically. That's where the budget is. And so ultimately, as, as sales start to rise above the kind of one-off level, mm -hmm. ultimately you need to, to be interacting with on some level the, the senior technologist, whether it's the CIO, the CTO, the CDO, you know, there's lots of different titles these days, or an SVP of you know, IT. Can I um, just interrupt there real quick? The CTO yeah. and CIO, um, the difference between those two, I have what I understand to be what I understand that to be. Uh, and I'll share with you what I believe it is from a sales perspective. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, the CIO, somebody like you at your level um, is more um, strategic, visionary, uh, lay out the organizational plan um, for the, the, the company when it comes to um, um, infrastructure, technology, software, kind of like the big, big picture of the organization and how we're going to use technology to move the company forward or the strategic plan forward to customers on a big level. Whereas a CTO person, 
I saw more as a not almost like a nuts and bolts person. Mm-hmm. Like they are, they are in the they're in the office. They 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 have maybe ten direct reports. A lot of them are computer repair geek guys. They're dealing with the employees on the you know in the different departments and all that. So I, I, that's the, I understand the difference. Not that a CTO can't do visionary stuff, mm-hmm. but but I've seen a lot of CIOs have CTOs reporting to them, uh, mm-hmm. kind of because the CIO has a lot more of a big, big picture. Did I, did I get that right? Uh, please uh, correct us what, you know, if I'm wrong here. Yeah, I think it really depends on the business. The way I see it is the, the CIO always has both technical and operational responsibilities. Mm. And, and so uh, you know, we often, for example, are responsible for operational compliance and cybersecurity. Uh, and of course, we, you know, our, our main charter is to enable the employees with technology and to enable the business with technology. And so there's that operational piece and the technology piece that are always blended. Um, on the CTO side, they have a technology focus rather than a tech, tech plus ops. And so if it is a technology company, if it is a company that has a technology product, the CTO might be a founder or a co-founder or the creator of the actual product itself. Uh, if it is not a technology company, then that's where it's, it's more like what you're talking about, where the CTO might be someone who, who goes more deep technically uh, than the CIO does. And so I think it depends on the industry vertical. But what I think is interesting about this is something that salespeople that I, I meet with a lot, because I, I, I'm on a, a one-woman quest, I think, to, to um, I just enable salespeople to be, um, how do I delicately say, like, less inane um, when dealing with people like me. Um, and so I, I, have, I have a huge passion for this. And so here's the thing. Um, what I always challenge salespeople with is whether it's a C, I, T, or D, and, and, you know, O, mm-hmm. um, do you know what the C in my title actually means? Mm-hmm. What does that stand for? What does it mean? Mm-hmm. And, and I won't put you on the spot so much because I like you. Um, <laughs> but, but, but here's the thing. Um, in a publicly traded company that's midsize or larger, um, the C in our title, whether it's CMO, CHRO, CRO, whatever, whatever the CLO, CFO, the C means that we are hired by and serve at the will of the board of directors. And so that's what it means. We have fiduciary and contractual responsibility to the company's board of directors and because, you know, if we're publicly traded to our shareholders as well. And so if we think about that for a moment, you know, just offhand, like what is the most important thing to a company's, to a publicly traded company's board of directors? What, like if we just one word, what do they care about more than anything else? The board of directors. price. Yes, price, <laughs> money, finances, exactly. Right. So if the person, if the group of people who interviewed me, who hired me, who set my compensation plan, and who can fire me, if those people care most about share price, financial performance, then it follows that I am also incentivized that way. If I am in the C-suite, period, 
end of story. And so the biggest mistake that salespeople make when they approach someone in the C-suite is they expect that we are geekily interested in the, um, the, the other letter in our title, the marketing or the sales or the technology or the, or the operations. And although we care about those things, we don't get our jobs or lose our jobs because of those things. Our incentive plans, just like sales incentive plans, have two parts. The first part is this measly little salary that no one could actually live on. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and especially because we if we're good at what we're doing and we're fairly senior, we've built up a lifestyle. Right. Mm -hmm. The second part of our salary is an incentive plan that is set by our by our managers. And in my case and in the case of C-suite folks, it's set by the board. Mm -hmm. And so it relates to financial performance. It does not relate to whether or not I rolled out the ERP system on time or how things are functioning in my data center or what percentage of public or private cloud I'm using or any of those things. Um, there's some, some very basics, right? Um, the technology that I buy and I deploy must enable employees to be productive, must enable the business to, to uh, undertake the, the work that it's doing. Mm -hmm. And I must ensure that I am uh, minimizing or mitigating any risks related to that technology uh, to the company. And often, by the way, when it comes to risks that are, uh, that are you know, introduced to the company via technology, um, the company may decide that it is more cost effective to take out a cyber insurance policy than it is to spend a lot of money on actual cyber remediation. And so these are all business decisions, financial decisions that, that govern how, how I operate and therefore they should be part of the salesperson's dossier, their, their background information, the baseline knowledge they have before they ever approach me for a conversation or an interaction. Wow, um, no, that, that's very good. Uh, so you were on a, on a conversation path before um, about um, how, I guess, to sell to a C-suite kind mm -hmm. of persons and again one one of their publicly traded company going through the 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 revenue side the you know that that you're obviously concerned about share price the board of share price and the like uh, and somebody who's a cto if they are in a let's say uh uh within a organization let's say a cto within a hospital institute let's say healthcare mm -hmm. institution they are dealing with the, the multiple locations they're mm -hmm. basically managing it staff uh, and dealing with fires every day about different issues and selling to that person is going to be different because um, mm -hmm. I'm assuming they're going to be looking for solutions because um, um, they're not concerned about share price, because about solutions uh, uh, and uh, cybersecurity issues, um, backup, uh, cloud, uh, things that, you know, uh, wide area network stuff. I mean, just uh, because yeah. they... They want their systems to run smoothly um, and not have all the headaches and the calls coming in when something goes down. So, yeah. so the person selling the rep uh, yeah. should, like you say, know who they're going after and what is important to them, not selling the same or coming with the same approach to everybody. Is that correct? 
That's right. Look, okay. bottom line, um, I'm a person too. You got to get to know me. Uh, no matter what my title is, you got to get to know me. Now, that's hard to do because those of us in the C-suite, we have a lot of barriers up, right? It is hard to get to us. Um, I, on purpose, avoid salespeople. I do me not... Too. Yeah, yeah. I don't wish to have um, a one-to-one -one discussion with a salespeople and a salesperson. There's a lot of reasons for that. On the one side, it's because if if I am a leader of any capability, I have I have taken care to build a strong team, yep. and I would not scale and I would not be effective if I didn't delegate decision-making authority to my trusted leadership team. And I often will have VPs and, and so on on my team who are quite capable of and, and invested with um, everything they need to, to purchase on a, you know, a, a medium scale, right? So, um, you know, one of the biggest mistakes that salespeople make is, um, and I think, you know, there's, it's not like salespeople are bad or anything like that, but you know, every sales plan I've ever seen kind of has this like vague um, pyramid scheme idea, right? Like that, you know, that, that you've got the account plan and somewhere in the account plan, there's, you know, the individual people in various functional areas. And then there's the next layer up of middle managers. And there's a couple of, you know, key decision makers. And then at the top is somebody, a C, CTO, CDO, uh, CIO, or there's a, um, uh, you know, VP of something or other um, who's at the top. And you know what salespeople do is they they sort of work that account but but the real money is you know getting that meeting or having that relationship or that regular quarter, quarterly cadence or whatever it is with the person at the top of that pyramid and so um, you know the question that that new salespeople have or salespeople who don't really have like a a book of of business is you know how do I get to that person and then you know salespeople who are re relatively seasoned. Um, most of them have been burned somehow by that person, right? They were counting on something, but it didn't work out, or, you know, they thought they had a relationship, but that person left or got booted out. And so there's always this scramble to, you know, how do I get to the person at the top of that pyramid? And then, you know, once I'm at, when I've had that meeting, like, what does it mean? And so I say, um, we need, you know, as, as sales professionals, uh, you need to prepare differently for those meetings with the folks who are at the, the top of the pyramid. You really need to do your homework around certain characteristics of those of us in the C-suite. Need to understand our decision-making style. Are we, uh, do we have distributed decision-making or are we authoritarian and hierarchical? You would approach us differently. If, if I have decision-making distributed amongst my VPs, and you skip level one of my VPs and come directly to me, then you're disrespecting my management uh, style um, and you're not going to get very far. Um, on the other hand, um, if I am uh, you know, very hierarchical and you skip level, you're also going to be disrespecting my management uh, way of managing and you're not gonna get very far with me. Um, if you come into a meeting with me, um, assuming that I want to have a functional discussion, I want to talk about marketing or I want to talk about technology, um, that's a mistake because um, 
you know, ultimately I have my own advisors. A lot of times salespeople say, I want to be consultative to you. I want to be helpful to you. Um, I have my own lawyer in the room. I, I um, ultimately, when it comes to selling, knowing that you are, in, you are financially incentivized and I am financially incentivized in, in, a, in a way, not as human beings, but, but in the context of this situation, we're enemy combatants. We're on different sides of the chessboard. You want to sell me something for the most possible, you know, the most that you can uh, for the best possible price and deliver it. And in order to help me and make me successful, and I want to purchase something that's um, at the best thing for my business for the lowest possible amount of money and in the, in the mode that I need to purchase based on my financial conditions. And so um, we're, we, we don't have the exact same objective there. Um, and we have a negotiation. Now, what happens that I've observed with salespeople is salespeople usually haven't done their homework really about that, that person at the top of the pyramid who they're, who they're getting to. And when they get to a meeting with me, um, it, it's, it's like the, the fly wandering into the, to the spider's web um, because, because they've just wandered haplessly onto what, into what for them is a consultative discussion and is for me the final move in a chess game that I have been playing. And, and so, um, you know, I'll, if you'd like, I can give you an example. Um, yeah, sure. Go ahead. All right. So you've tried for months to get a meeting with the person in the C-suite mm -hmm. and eventually uh, the suddenly out of left field, um, you hear that, yeah, the, the CIO, in my case, is, is willing to meet with you. Mm -hmm. And you set up a meeting, it's from 1 to 2 p.m., and uh, you get there 20 minutes early so you can set up all the stuff for the meeting, and um, I am 5 to 15 minutes late. And so, you know, that's part one. Uh, part two, when we get in the meeting, you have a prepared slide presentation. And it's always like this. Slide one is a picture of all of the people on the team and everybody says hi and there's a little background. And then slide two is a picture of, you know, the company and the Starbucks or the warehouse where it was started and the company founders when they had hair. And then slide three is a slide with all the logos of companies of places you've sold things. And uh, somebody says like, well, this is a bit of an eye chart, but blah, blah, blah. And then slide four is um, something about uh, you know, the envi my environment that my team has told you about where, um, you know, whatever the current conditions are. Is, so you're trying to demonstrate that, you know, and then slide, the next slide is all about um, the flaws in that environment and how your product is going to fix that. And then, you know, finally, you, you look up and you interact with me and you ask me some questions. Is this about right? Is there anything else you need, et cetera? Um, all of that is a waste. You would never have a meeting with me if I didn't know those things. The only reason I'm meeting with you is for this next step. So at the next step, I, you know, you've got a deal on the table. That's how you got to me, right? Is you've dealt with my people. You got a deal on the table and it's a deal for $700,000 worth of your product. 
and and I say, wow, this is an impressive presentation, and wow, it's amazing, you've nailed it, and you know, boy, all the people on your team look so nice, and congratulations to Bob on the new baby, and wow, isn't that cool? Um, I do have a problem, and the problem that I have, unfortunately, is that um, you know, I love your product, but it's a little too expensive. I had some issues with budget and, you know, I know you're going to, you want, you, you, there's a deal on the table for 700 K, but I've only got 550 K in budget available right now. And frankly, we've got a deal on the table from competitor X that's in my price range. And, you know, although you do have some features that I like, um, at the end of the day, I just need to put, you know, a round uh, peg and a round hole and, and competitor X does that. So, you know, I do appreciate your time. I hope we can work with each other in the future. But at the moment, this, these, are the, these are the budgetary constraints that I have. And then no matter who you are, no matter what you do, you go back to whoever the supreme leader is in the sales and organization. And because you have forecasted this thing, and because I happen to have a giant spreadsheet with every vendor's end of quarter and end of year dates on it, and I strategically timed this meeting for a few days before your end of quarter or end of fiscal year, I know that you are going to discount to whatever level I asked for. And I have never in my career, since I've had a, a VP in my title, I have never walked away from that meeting without getting the discount that I asked for. Because in the, in the chess game, that last meeting that you have with me and that last move where you've got a negotiated deal on the table, but you still walked haplessly into a meeting with me that last chess move is, is checkmate. You can either walk away from that deal or you can give me the ridiculous discount that I just laid on the table because I know that you have no backup plan. And by the way, it's, there's, there's an element of truth in this. This is this what, what makes the best you know, kind of poker players, right? The, the, the element of truth is that I really don't have to purchase from you, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't have to purchase from you mm -hmm. because um, I, I don't really deeply care about the differentiate the, the the nuances of technical differentiation between products right. um, and, and and the market is crowded. What I really do care about is functionality. Wow, that's a great that's a great uh, a great example of, of chess. Uh, and uh, I won't go into we for lack of time. I won't go into how uh, we address that issue. Um, uh, from a sales perspective, but I, I appreciate that and I love that that story. Um, the uh, what you what you basically called out is what we call in the sales game uh, account based management. That's mm -hmm. what we call it ABM, and we identify the prospect and then we look at them real uh, really well and and decision making and hierarchy and all that kind of stuff it takes a lot more time to be quite frank. Um, yeah. But you can nail a much larger sale. Uh, but yeah. you may not because you just play chess. So, so it may, you know, it, if, so here's the thing, like if, if we're both worthy players, if, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, 
then then it's then it's just a timing thing because my budget ebbs and flows depending on my company's profitability depending right. on other decisions that i'm making and right. so if you demonstrate that 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 you're a worthy player we're going to keep you know meeting in the park and and playing these pickup games and and over time um, i'm going to need what you sell me not because necessarily because of the features or functions of what you sell me, but because of the packaging and timing and presentation of what you sell me. In my portfolio management, mm. um, I have some things I invest in, some things I hold on, and some things I divest in all the time, every quarter. And so I always have room in the portfolio for another play, um, but, it, but it's just a matter of timing. So if, if you're playing the long game with, with technology management, um, you're gonna come out a winner, but, but your underlying um, compensation plan and incentive plan and, and just how you earn your living has to support that long game. Uh, right. That's the other thing that a lot of times sales organizations don't understand. And I, I say this to the, you know, to the CEOs and the CFOs and, and, and the chief revenue officers in, in companies who are listening. Um, mm. If you want those larger deals and that larger total account value, then you have to have room in that sales incentive plan for um, people to play that longer game that we're playing on our side of, of the table. And, and so, you know, maybe it's a mix of incentives or it's a mix of uh, different channel partners. But I think having that mixed portfolio of, of places in which to sell and in sales timings is key for a salesperson to have enough time to build the relationships and the knowledge and so on to play a bit of that long game too. Still need stuff to pay off in the short term. Yeah. But um, to build that book of business, but more importantly, to work that book of business truly requires you know, the same sorts of cycles that I'm operating in, uh, you know, 12, 24, 36 months and longer. Um, and, if, and if you can hold firm as a company to have some people, at least um, some salespeople incentivized that way, then, then you start to build that ramp of, of um, business that, you know, over time, it, it, the, the, the cost of sales and the profitability of booking that business is, is um, you know, it, it, it starts to really pay off. It is expensive at first during the ramp, mm -hmm. but it is um, profitable over time. And, and uh, you know, sort of these economies of scale start to happen as we build these uh, trusted relationships and as we begin to exploit the technology or the services in the context of a healthy business and a healthy portfolio. Oh, absolutely, I, I agree. Um, two points that I, I want to make sure that, that we hit uh, is how um, is it the, the best way uh, in your, in your, in your experience for a salesperson to get a hold of a CIO or CTO one uh, and two um, when you're looking at vendors um, for you, for yourself, uh, for the company, um, and, or another CTO for another company looking for a vendor, software solution, something. What are they using? What are they doing to identify a vendor for their need? What, what, what process are they going through? Um, are they going to a show? Are they, being, are they calling, going into their network? Are they going into LinkedIn? You know, that kind of stuff. So one, how to get a hold of somebody, you know, a C-suite, a person like you, and two, how someone in your, in your role is making, uh, identifying vendors to help meet a need. So uh, first of all, um, 
the easiest way to get a hold of me is to have a warm introduction from uh, someone who who I who I care about, who I need to care about. Um, so as an example, uh, a board member or a colleague of a board member who might make a recommendation, um, you know, it's sort of like your boss telling you, hey, you should check this out. You know, you, you, you pay attention to that. So, so that's one way. Um, another way is to connect with me through uh, the things that matter to me as a human being. In my case, for example, I'm interested in supporting military veterans and military veteran careers. And so, um, you know, if you're associated with an organization like that, um, you know, connecting with me around the things that, um, that, that are my causes uh, certainly matter. Um, you know, those are, those are the best ways. Sometimes it's a referral from a colleague, um, but that's, we're very careful to do that inside of our, our circles of colleagues because um, people ask us to do that a lot. And so we we're you know, quite circumspect um, in terms of doing that. Um, look, what, what happens in, in real life is uh, it's just like you imagine, you know, there's a secret, um, you know, tree house that we all go to on Tuesday nights. And, you know, we, we, we break out the, the cheese whiz and Ritz crackers and we talk about you guys. Uh, so basically we get together in secret meetings of- um, So do we. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know, right? Um, and, and, but you guys- Some probably of it's not good. <laughs> you, you probably have better snacks than, than we do. We're like, you know, we're like, you know, you know the guy, remember the original Jurassic Park movie? Movie. And remember the IT guy, like like down in the room, you know, he's kind of like this this you know overweight guy with the with the bad skin and the like yeah. the piles. That that's us in IT. So we we get Don't together. Look like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So so we we get together um, and and we talk about um, our common challenges, um, but we also talk. You know, I'll be honest. We talk about vendors. We talk about the ones who've been supporting us. We actually talk about salespeople. There are some salespeople who who create a path of destruction, and there are other salespeople who are true partners. And so sometimes when we're in a, 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 the same region or we're in the same space, we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. We we talk about um, at a high level. Uh, there's no collusion or anything, but we talk about discount percentages and what we're seeing out there um, and, and so you know if if one person in in that inner circle says you know I just had good luck with vendor X or thing Y then then we'll listen to that um, you know we do our own research and a lot of us also of course um, get input from our team members our, our middle managers etc so that really is a way to break into an account, um, but you got to be careful about the, the hierarchies and the, and the distribution and so on. So there's lots of ways to connect with us. Um, some ways that you that don't work, um, you know, cold calls. Um, cold calls, I think, work at, at different levels in the organization, but to the senior most executive, um, that, that's a pretty rare, um, uh, you know, good thing. Um, you know, the sort of those randomly generated emails. I just get thousands of those. Um, we don't really like attending those like free webinar things that you get the emails on. It, back in the pre-COVID days, um, you know, look, most of us are of, at a at a certain stage in our lives where, as 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 nice as you all are, we we would rather be having dinner with our family than having a steak dinner three nights a week. Um, 
you know, so, so it, it's, there's not really a desire for social connection. Um, we're not looking to get free stuff. We're probably doing pretty well financially. Um, we, we do have very practical needs and, and we'll tend to, to be clear about those needs, but they tend to be around budgetary items. They tend to be around uh, functionality. And ultimately as well, we do trust our channel partners. One of the great things about uh, having a channel partner that, that can uh, provide products across a, a wide range of functions and, and spectrums is that ultimately I can spend my energy having a trusted relationship with that channel partner and then they can kind of um, obfuscate all of the back and forth that I might need to have with individual vendors. So sometimes a channel partner will come to me and say, you know, you've been a loyal, you know, brand X customer for a while, but there's this new brand, we've vetted it out, we've got it working in our center, you know, are you interested in that? So that, that can also be um, a way in. But ultimately, I would say, um, you know, the best time to meet with a C-level executive is after that first sale. If you meet with me before that first sale, uh, I have you on your back foot. I know that you're hungry. If you meet with me after that first sale, then uh, we're, we're really meeting for the purposes of a relationship of some sort, a, a support relationship, uh, expanding the relationship, et cetera. And so you can, you can be more convinced that my motivations are around uh, ensuring that our relationship is successful rather than just purely a financial uh, negotiation. Gotcha. Okay. So it sounds like um, the calling, uh, being more, I'm being more tactical now, uh, calling is not a good place to start. Um, emails, you're going to, you get a whole bunch of those. Um, mostly um, sounds like a warm kind of connection introduction. Sounds like uh, the way to go. And also the, um, the, uh, the interest um, what, you know, be involved or interested or uh, connected to some of your interest as well, maybe a good way to get into a conversation about what somebody does um, is what it sounds like to me. Because yeah. um, yeah. uh, remember, salespeople are very tactical. So, you know, email, phone call, social media, you know, what is the way to get a hold of someone, direct mail, uh, sending you a box of chocolates, um, uh, I've taken a phone call um, from somebody sent me a, a helicopter um, well, or, a, or a remote control helicopter. I said, yeah. <laughs> I said, I gotta take the call for that one. <laughs> but, yeah. but I would say, you know, every now and then one of those things breaks through. <laughs> Um, but but yeah. also, it's worth saying this too. I, I, I often say this. Um, there was a time when vendors tried really hard to wow me with something, right? You know, two tickets to the fancy playoff game or whatever. Right. Um, especially if I am, um, if I'm senior and I'm in a publicly traded company, um, I, if I take that gift from you and it's of some value, Right. then I also at the same time cannot be engaged in a negotiation with you for a deal that's of material value. Um, so, so I'm going to try to avoid that. Yeah, I got you. If I'm not avoiding it, mm -hmm. then I probably do not have any near-term plans of actually doing business with you. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, so I'm going to take the free box of chocolate. 
and I do daily business. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the free box of chocolates, it, it, you know, it doesn't rise to the level of materiality unless you took me to Belgium to get them in person. Um, but you know what I'm saying, right? So, yeah. so I think it, it's not it, it, for me. Like, you know, I'd say honestly, not very often, but maybe once a month, someone breaks through like on social media. And it's usually something like, you know, I saw your video or listened to your podcast on thing X. And, you know, I got to tell you the same thing happened with my son or my dad, or, you know, it's something a little more connected to, yeah. My, and my heart related to my cause. Yeah. Um, the other thing that, that we do, I think, you know, um, executives in any um, industry, I think um, we have some shared characteristics. We're a bit ambitious. Um, we are a bit competitive. Like you sort of don't get to that level in a, in a serious company without um, having some, some metal, you know, and some, um, some, some strength in your personality. And so uh, we are kind of like vulnerable to people throwing down challenges or, you know, laying down some sort of a competitive, uh, um, you know, opportunity. Um, we are vulnerable to that. We have our egos and we have our, um, our vulnerabilities. And I would, I would also say um, we usually are um, more insecure than you might imagine. And so um, this is something that I think is really important. Um, I, I, I'm looking for someone with, who, who is interacting with me, who is honest and who is humble but I am not looking for someone who appears and seems frightened because if you seem frightened, that is frightening to me. If, if I ask you a direct question, can your company ship thing X by date Y and you, you start hemming and hawing and you don't know and you're uncomfortable, then I think, oh, okay, I'm, I'm not betting, you know, the mortgage payment this month on that person. Yeah. Um, so there's something about your own demeanor, like practice, you know, I, I work with Nutanix salespeople and I literally make them practice their pitch to me under the worst of circumstances. I, I think they all hate me and they're, they're, they're like terrified of me, but it does matter. Like you have to be, you have to be confident. You have to, you have to show that you have um, autonomy and you're self-actualized in, in talking with me, fine line between that and arrogant, right? Yeah. Um, if you come in and, you know, I always, I always say this, um, a lot of times salespeople come in and the first thing they do is they want to demonstrate they know, right, about the environment. And so they, they, they start with a laundry list of all the stuff that's, that's like wrong in my environment that they're going to solve. And, you know, it's, it's like telling me my kid's stupid or my butt looks fat in those pants. Like, who would do that in any other circumstance in life? Who would walk in and in a first meeting say, you know, your butt looks kind of big in those pants, but I've got pants that would make it look better. Like, even if that's correct, I'm no chocolate for you. Yeah, we're not <laughs> friends, man. So, so I think like, don't lead with all the stuff that you know is wrong in my organization. That is a, a direct reflection of my leadership. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, don't do that. I think we forget. We forget that, like, we're—I'm a human being too, right? right? right. With all with all the foibles. That's right. Um, so as we uh, as we wrap this up, um, that uh, that really good stuff uh, you shared uh, today. If you, um, I ask you this question: If you had a superpower, um, mm -hmm. and 
it could be personal or it could be business, whatever. If you were given a superpower and you would just ask and would be given on to you, mm. what superpower would that be? Uh, I would love to turn uh, prejudice to understanding. Powerful, very powerful. Prejudice to understanding. That's great. Um, I'm gonna ask you a couple of uh, rapid fire questions uh, and uh, we're gonna go to coffee, hot or cold? Hot. Okay, a lot or a little? A lot. <laughs> Your favorite food? Donuts or bacon or bacon covered donuts. <laughs> That's good, I like that too. Uh, hot dogs? Yes. With ketchup or mustard? Ketchup and Hebrew national. Ooh, okay. Burgers, ketchup or plain? Uh, cheese and buttered brioche buns. Oh, fancy. Uh, pizza? Yes, although I've been gluten-free for a while, so that's a harder sport. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, Apple or Android? Both, Coach. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. Yeah, well. I, I have. So, look, I, I'm in IT, so I have a, right. a Mac and a PC here on the desk in front of me. I have uh, Android and, and Apple phones so that I understand everybody's experience. Yeah, a lot of the IT people tell me the same thing. They, got, they do both. Um, mm -hmm. So a laptop and desktop, I'm assuming you got both? No, just laptop. I, I don't have, uh, I have no tolerance for things that are heavy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, gotcha. If you, can go to, if you can go away on vacation, uh, any place right now, money and time is not an issue. Where would you go? Uh, I would go to uh, a place in Maui that I love okay. and uh, I would, get four massages a day. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, when you read a book, are you reading a paperback or, or are you reading on a Kindle? Read on a Kindle. I love my Kindle and I read voraciously. Wow. Okay, great. Uh, new car or used? Uh, I love supercars. Um, and I love classic cars and race cars. And so some of the best ones are used, but I wouldn't mind a new McLaren or uh, Ferrari uh, any time, anyone, or a used one, I'll anything. <laughs> That's good, you got some good taste there, really high end. Uh, uh, animals, dogs, cats, goldfish? Cat. Okay. Uh, cats, I, I, ha I have uh, rescue cats. So, like I'm, I'm one of those crazy cat ladies. <laughs> That's good. We've been talking to uh, to Wendy Pfeiffer, the CIO of Nutanix, and um, we're going to summarize real quick here that when you're selling uh, into the C-suite, into a CIO or CTO, um, consider their first letter of their name, which chief, what does that mean uh, to them and in the role that they play? Um, are they uh, budgetary? Are they uh, practical and, you know, actually doing product and stuff like that? Uh, consider that. Uh, in order to sell uh, into them, you may want a warm intro, if at all possible. You try to get that from someone who knows them and uh, vice versa uh, to sell into them as well. Maybe having, uh, find out what their interests are, make a connection there uh, in some kind of passion that they have and something that they're doing and make some kind of connection there. Also, uh, when they're choosing vendors, 
uh, they may look at referrals. They'll talk to people in their own network uh, and talk about vendors. They'll talk about salespeople, uh, just like we talk about them as well. So it kind of goes both ways there. And uh, get input um, from uh, colleagues, get input from staff on vendors, um, what you know, vendors you should be looking at uh, to help uh, make their businesses better and function better and more efficient. So that's the summary of, of the, uh, the, the show today. Of course, we talked a lot about, about a lot of stuff. Uh, uh, Wendy, you were great. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation and your insight uh, into uh, what you do, but also um, how you know, sales reps should be selling uh, into you know, people like you and how to sell into the CIOs and CTOs. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, so did I. So did I. Uh, I hope to speak to you soon. All the best to you over there. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Same. Right. Okay. Uh, we ended the meeting. Um, you, 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 you are fantastic. Uh, you did, you oh, thank you. Yeah, you did. A, you did an absolutely great job. Um, well, We'll process this. It'll it'll go up on our channel on podcast probably in about a week or so. I'll email you the link, let you know that it's up, uh, and we'll do it. We'll put it on LinkedIn. I'll tag you, and you'll see it there. And let your, awesome. let your people do whatever they want with it, okay? You know, and, and you do whatever you want with it. But I appreciate awesome. your time. I uh, you you seem like a real cool person. Uh, oh, thank you. You thank really you. do. Uh, so you, you're in California, right? Is that where you you hang out? I am. Yeah, Northern California. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I'm on the West Coast very infrequently. I mm. try not to travel across the country. I'm I've been there, done that, got a T-shirt. Um, I, uh, I, yeah, <laughs> let the sales reps and my managers do that. And then, <laughs> so, uh, but uh, yeah. I, I I I'll let you go. Loved it. We'll be in touch. Okay. Okay. Look forward to it. Thanks. All, all the best. Bye bye. Okay. Bye.